Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Institutional survivors fear that the forthcoming Mother and Baby Homes Commission report will trivialise the trauma of forced and illegal adoptions. They say they are angry and dismayed over yesterday's leak of the details of the report, including that it includes a finding that around 9,000 of the 60,000 children born in the homes died. I actually thought the figure was higher than that anyway, but anyway. It also appears to have found in the report that neither the Catholic Church nor the state forced women into the homes and that allegations that institutions were paid to arrange foreign adoptions are impossible to prove or disprove. This is absolute and utter nonsense. And I think it's disrespectful to the people who were born there and to the women who were put in there. When you say they weren't forced, think about this logically, right? That we have heard numerous stories over the years when we talk about Tume going back a few years ago of mothers who may have lived in small villages. This back in the 1950s and 60s and 70s. And they lived in a small village in rural Ireland. Mind you, they didn't have to live in a small village. Once they lived in a Christian community, which was most communities of Ireland, that if a young girl got pregnant out of wedlock, yes, nobody handcuffed her and dragged her kicking and screaming uh, to a mother and baby home. But there was a public, there was a Christian pressure. There was a state pressure that you didn't have an illegitimate in your family because the neighbours would be curtain twitching and everybody would be talking about you. Because that was the way we were made feel at the time. That you didn't have a baby on my birth certificate, on my birth, my birth record. As I was born in St. Patrick's Home on the Navan Road. It says illegitimate. That was the way we regarded children back in the 1960s. They were either legitimate or illegitimate. I was an illegitimate child. The word bastard was used at the time. Let's be clear about that. And I hate to use that on daytime radio, but that's a fact of history and that's a fact of life. And to suggest that there wasn't some sort of stigma attached to having a baby out of wedlock, particularly in a small rural town, a Christian town, would be absolutely bizarre. So, yes, they may not have dragged them kicking and screaming, but the Catholic Church and the state are responsible for those women being put in those homes. Are absolutely responsible because the parish priest would come knocking on the door of your mother and father's house if the daughter was pregnant and say, well, you know, she can't be having the baby here now. You've got to send her up there, you know, to wherever it is, Bestbury. You've got to send her up there to St. Pat's because they look after her up there. Okay, you should have the baby up there now and we look after the baby and we'll send her back to you when the baby's born and nobody will even know the difference. That's the way it was. Baby factories. The other idea that they're saying that they can't prove or disprove uh, that money changed hands. Are you having a laugh? I know for a fact, for example, and this is not a foreign adoption, that my father donated £300 because I have the receipt at home for it, that he gave a £300 donation. And, and that was encouraged because essentially you were bought, you were purchased. That's what I was worth at the time, £300. So Michal Martin will give an apology, a state apology, to the women and the children who were born in the mother and baby homes. After the article appeared, the Children's Minister, Roderick Gorman, issued a statement to the survivors saying it is always his intention. They should be the first to hear of the main conclusions of the report. Obviously, that hasn't been happened. And he has said that he was deeply angered to see the details of the report leaked in a newspaper, which he said was unacceptable. And he apologised. The Taoiseach Michael Martin is to make, as I said, a formal state apology to the survivors of the mother and baby homes on Wednesday in the Dáil. Well, to give me a little bit of background on all the story and to keep us up to date. Uh, once again, it's lovely to speak to Anna Corrigan uh, from the Tune Babies Families Group. Uh, good afternoon to you, Anna. 
Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Good. Quite. It's quite disturbing, actually, when you read the details, some of the details of this report that have been leaked so far. I mean, for, let's first of all go to the idea that they're saying that neither the Catholic Church nor the state forced women into these homes. How do you feel when you read that? Well, I mean, you know, now in my background in and the amount of survivors I've spoken to, and I know I don't know my own mother's story or my brother's, but every one of them, like, I mean, we have one gentleman who was in the group. The police came down at 10 o'clock in the night. The mother was staying at home, knocked at the door, said, get her out of the parish. The father had to put her on the crossbar of a bicycle and cycle her to the tomb home in the middle of the night. You were, embar- you were embarrassed because your, your daughter was shameful because she got pregnant. That was the yes, was. and you were also disclaimed from the pulpit up to a radius of 15 miles. You may not go, I just finished a piece that was done for a thesis in Maynooth. Yeah, you may not have been served in the shop. You were completely ostracised. We lived in Catholic fascism, right? Our clerical fascism. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they controlled from birth to, to, to death. Right, and uh, by the way, and don't let don't let the state off the hook here because the state no, went no, along no, with no, it. Of course, we got around to that yet. Yeah. We need another program for that. I mean, it, it the uh, talking about what happened inside these homes, right? And you're talking about they were sent in. I had a woman query me about that one day, and I said, "Listen, I said, can we park that the fact that they were were um, sent in by their parents?" I said, "Let's look at what happened when they got inside the doors." You know, these are the actions that we're reviewing at the moment. Is what happened to these women when they went inside the doors. And I wish the government would stop muddying the waters. We're looking at the perpetrators of the act, of the illegal adoptions, the cutting of the hair, the taking away your name, the uh, taking away of your human rights, uh, you name it, right? That's what happened inside the door, and this was done by the religious and facilitated by the state. There's no question about that. They also talked about the word illegitimate, of course, which they said was there until 1987, which was a profound breach of human rights. I, I mean, I'm looking here now, actually, I'm just looking at my phone because I went searching for it as you were talking there, at the my birth record, which I got from St. Pat's on the Navan Road. And it clearly, st- it gives you an option, by the way, to tick a box for legitimate or illegitimate. Yeah. And obviously, I'm illegitimate. <laughs> um, and as I mentioned in the intro, the word bastard was used quite commonly in those that days. Bastard, there was the bastard act before or the, you know, illegitimacy, you know, I think yeah. I might have been a bit toning down, but, but the bastard yeah. was the actual term for, you know, a child who was born outside wedlock and there was the bastardy act. I can't give it the year because... So, uh, so, so, to suggest, so to suggest there was no stigma put on people for having children out of wedlock is bizarre and nutty, to be honest with you. I don't know where the report got this. Look, you know now that people that actually grew up to be adults, they were still stigmatised. Oh, he's the one from the home. Or, or the, the side glance at the woman. Oh, she was the one who was in the home and gave birth, especially in small communities. You were known, you were tagged and you were ostracised. And in relation to when they say, you know, forced adoptions, a lot of the, you know, the state will say or the Catholic Church will say at the time or defenders of the Catholic Church will say, well, hold on, these women signed consent forms. You know, they, they, they signed a consent form to give their baby up for adoption. We looked after them in the home, fed them, watered them, and they had their baby, gave the baby up for adoption, and we let, and off they went about their, their, their business. There's a thing called informed consent, and I'm looking here at, you know, as I told you before, and I only go back to Chilm and Bessborough, and this is not, I know it's a much broader picture here, but I only have the paper, can only speak what I have, and it says, babies were offered for adoption from the Bessborough and the Chilm home at up to three years of age. The trauma involved in this uh, is revealed in an archive of photographs of children who were sent for adoption to the USA. The practice largely halted after the introduction of the Adoption Act in the 1950s. 
Now, this was uncovered in 2012 by the HSE when they were looking into the Michael and Home Inquiry. Now, this has been buried and buried and buried. So there is your actual clarification. Now, the commission came down and they scanned that paperwork. So there it actually states that children were sent for adoption to the USA. And further down in this, this is only one part of what I'm saying. They said that there was possible interference with birth and death certification, which requires further investigation. And women passed through the system and it was also possible that illegal actions took place and it requires further investigation. Now, did commission know all this because this material is lying in the Tulsa offices in Galway and in Cork since 2012 during the Magdalen Home Inquiry. They knew exactly what was going on. They had knew that the debt rate followed. I, I had. I, 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 by the way, in relation to the debt rate, they're saying 9,000 children of the 60,000 children born in the homes died. This is uh, from 1922 to 1987, I assume, or up around that time. I, I, did you, are you surprised that figure? Did you think that figure would be higher? I, look, I mean, there's 795, 800, we'd say it's held in June, right? In June, yeah. Only one home, right? Okay. And then uh, Alison O'Reilly um, sold the names for, I think it was Shamrock, 1,200 there. So, I mean, that's only on, on a small calculation, right? We're looking at 14 homes, right? So, exponentially, work that out. How many would that bring you up to? And that's not including all and every home. These are only a sample number of homes. We will, we'll, we'll, never, we'll never truly know because we can never do the investigation that we're doing in Tume and all the other uh, homes because most exactly. of them are well, there. Well, St. Patrick's home is a housing estate now, so I mean. Exactly, yeah. and I mean, so is Tume. Yeah. With anything that left open for what they knew what was going on in there. Is there by the way, is there, is there anything in St. Patrick's home on the Navin Road now, which was the biggest, by the way? Is there a, a plaque on the wall or is there a, even any, any kind of monument but, there? But, is, but you see, I'm, I'm very terrified of monuments now because the thing is, you put monuments up when, when, when you've found out the truth. Mm. Like, I mean, if you put a monument, it's like, it's like what happened in Tume. They were going to put a monument on the site in Tume until it was revealed that it was a separate tank. But there was plaques to go up with the children's name because the idea was that it was a graveyard. But it wasn't a graveyard. Catherine Gordon's come out and said, no, but given following her research with her daughter, that it was an actual septic tank. And why, why do you think, for example, according to the report, that the, the report found the mortality in these institutions was twice as high as the same for the same type of children in the wider society? In other words, you had a 50-50 chance of not surviving these places, but where you would have had if you had been out in society with a family. So why do you think it was? I mean, because you would remember them obviously better than I would. I was a baby well, there. I was, so. I was born in 1956, right? Yeah. I lived in the tenement hills in Dublin and we had five families living in the house. And I mean... Before that, I mean, people were fed, people were looked after, and there was a lot of poverty. My father worked, he had a small job driving a, a truck. There was a lot of poverty, right? But people got a slice of bread, somebody looked after them, whatever. I contend that, like the case of my brother John, he went in from normal and healthy birth with a good weight to 13 months old, emaciated with a voracious appetite and no control over bodily functions. Now, I went to the police, and the police inquiries, or the police uh, report states that I contend that he died of neglect and malnutrition. And it's as simple as that. Neglect and malnutrition. There's no way a baby can go from that situation to that situation in 13 months unless somebody wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. And they were getting quite hefty amounts of money. And also as well regarding the death. The death rate plummeted after the Adoption Act came in in 1952. 
Now, you explain that to me. And I, I, they, I mean, a lot of... <clears throat> I know I've spoken in the past to some nuns and people who worked in mother and baby homes, and they said, well, they felt they were looked after okay, that the children were looked after okay. Do you, do you believe that children... I mean, I'm sure you do believe this, Anna, that children were neglected. I know mothers certainly were. There's no doubt about they that. Ne- they were neglected. And, and what's even worse than in, in, in June was... That's the bonds of court. Every one of those were nursing sisters. Nursing. Not like the other homes. I can understand maybe people make mistakes, first baby, what have you, right? These were a nursing order. And they actually operated a kilometre up the road, a private hospital where you went in to pay to have your baby. Right. I, I did also hear a story because I spoke to my own birth mother many years ago um, and she told me that at the time that mothers were dismissed sometimes after they had their babies or they'd go, they'd be, they'd be sent off after having the babies and other mothers would stay there for a while depending on, on who they were or whatever. Or oh, maybe, they just, they and, and they would be breastfeeding other women's babies. Exactly, wet nurses. But you see, the ones that went away were the ones that that, that, that papa had a lot of money and could afford to pay the 100, 100 uh, pounds at that time, and they didn't have to do any of the manual work. Like, I mean, you know, there's some members in the community that their parents went in th- that way. And, I mean, they sat up and they watched while the other girls walked, right? Mm-hmm. Now, remember at this stage, they're, they're also getting money. They're getting money from uh, the state. When when my mother left, when John was a year old, she sent back five shillings a month, which was quite hefty in 1946. And according to this paperwork I have from 2012, it states that they looked for money from people whose children were dead. They looked for money from people from, from when the, their children were gone and they were already adopted. This is all known, Niall. This is all there hidden in Tume, or sorry, in Galway in the Tuzla office. Okay, I, I'm going to come to the, to the apology in a second. Before I do that, I want to go as well to Maria Arbuckle. Please stay with me, Anna. Uh, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm speaking to Anna Corrigan from the Tume Babies Families Group, but also joining me is Maria Arbuckle, who had his son in St. Patrick's Home on the Navan Road. Good afternoon to you, Maria. Good afternoon. Uh, Maria, have you read some of the excerpts of the report? Pardon? Have you read some of the excerpts of the excerpts of the the report already? Ever have you looked at it? Yes, um, I was quite annoyed yesterday morning, annoyed and upset about it yesterday morning because me being a mother that was in the homes, um, I found it totally disrespectful and outrageous that the media would get a hold of it before we even got to read it. Mm -hmm. So, whoever, whatever Cretton is to blame for leaking this, I don't even know what to say about them. And what what year were you there, Maria, in St. Patrick's home? 1981. Okay, and do, can you cast your mind back? I mean, because the report clearly states that neither the Catholic Church nor the state forced women to go into the homes. And as I said already, yes, they didn't drag them kicking and screaming, but there, there was an embarrassment, doesn't it? You were embarrassed into goes into these places. Listen, I was in a children's home in the north. I was taken by the social workers in the north to Dublin, put in there, Two weeks later, after I, well, I was there from the January to the March, had my baby on the 10th of March, and two weeks after he was born, the social workers from the north came back, took the baby, and left me there. To this day, 
I still don't know how I got out of that home. I can't remember. I don't know why I can't remember. I just can't remember how I got back out of it. Of course, the, the mind is a wonderful thing that it would block out things, certain things in your life that maybe would upset you so much. And, and where where's the baby now, Maria? I don't know. Have you have you never been reunited with the baby, no? No, he is 40 this year in March. And only up until um, I got involved with the redress in the north because I'd gone through children's homes in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got involved with that, um, <clears throat> Judith Gillespie, he's in charge of the Mother and Babies Homes Inquiry in the north, contacted me and she she's ended up now... She got me a social worker in the north who has now traced my son's adoption files. And now they're putting a trace on him. But then it's up to him whether he wants to Of course, to yeah. You, you can put it out there that you'd be happy to... And would you be happy to see him? You would, of course. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The thing is now, right, I had a daughter who died of a cough death. I'm sorry to hear five years old, right? Now, to me, I know where she is. I can go there. I could sit and talk to her at her grave and that. I don't know where my son is. Mm-hmm. So he, you just, don't know if he's, you don't know if you have grandchildren or whatever. He could be mm-hmm. married with children or, yeah. 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 And, and, and that's really, it's difficult. Do you, do yeah. you remember, I, I know a lot of it has been blocked out of your mind, but the argument that the Catholic Church and the state would have at the time that these women, including you, um, would have signed a consent form to put the baby up for adoption. Now, uh, Anna is right. There's a thing called informed consent. A lot of women felt they had no choice, and this is the way that, that things had to be done at that time. But yes. do, you, do you remember, did you sign a consent form, or was that forced? I did. I did sign a consent form. I was, however I got from Dublin, the thing was, I was in the, in the children's home, right? So, um, you, so you were in state care home. anyway, yes. Was in state care yeah. in the north. Yeah, in the north, right. And the way it was put to me was the only thing I could do was give the child up for adoption. You you weren't given it like, of course, nowadays things are very different. You would have been supported as a single parent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in those days, well, before we had a proper social welfare system to look at or support uh, women who were in as single women, um, you didn't have a choice. Well, you felt you didn't have a choice. Well, now. There was two of us girls pregnant at the same time, right? Mm. The other girl got everything. I'm not going to mention her name. No, please don't. That girl got everything. She got a flat. She got bought everything for the baby, furniture for the flat, everything. I was convinced to give the baby up. Now, whether or not years later it came out that she was one of the people... One of the girls that had been molested by Brendan Smith, pedophile priest. Mm. Now, was that the reason she got everything? I don't know. And do you accept, and I'm going to come back to Anna on this as well, the, the apology that Michal Martin is going to give on Wednesday, uh, obviously we all know about it now, uh, as soon as the doll resumes on Wednesday, he will give an apology. Uh, an apology. Now, we don't know in relation to what's going to happen after that. Will there be redress? I'm assuming there will be uh, for the mothers and possibly for the babies that were born, the 60,000 babies born in the home. 
Do you believe that's enough? Do you accept the apology? <sighs> How can they apologise to people that's already dead? People who doesn't know their mothers out there. How how is that going to work? Well, well, let me just ask Anna that. Anna, do you, do you accept? When I say do you accept the apology, is it a start? No, because apologies now have got a bit weak at this stage now. And actions speak louder than words. And they've been cornered into a situation where they have to make an apology. Remember, like, this was broke in 2014 by Alison O'Reilly. And it's now 2021. And there wasn't an apology forthcoming until he was horrified and shocked and everything else by what he read in the report. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, that's something I have to say. And regarding this report, I'm very, very, very concerned. I'm still trying to follow this up. This report is coming out. And it's less than 3,000 pages. Well, on the floor of the doll on the 21st of October, Roderick O'Gorman stated that he was informed by the Commission that this report was in excess of 4,000 pages. And I still have not the clarification, right? And it's never been corrected on the floor of the doll as to how it went from in excess of 4,000 pages to less than 3,000 pages. Now, I mean, call That's me a cynic. Mm-hmm. Call me a cynic. And I, I, and I know Marie there, and I met Marie, and I know Marie's story. And when Maud DeBoer was over here and she was given uh, up in the, the Human Rights Centre, she was given a talk. And I mean, it was a chopped out Northern Ireland. And I wouldn't say Marie is unique about this cross-border kind of trafficking. It's, they operated on both sides of the border. And when I met Marie, and I'm very fond of Marie, we keep in touch. And we got her birth cert for her baby. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, which must have been it must be nice to get that. I mean, I, I know how it felt when I got my birth certificate for the first time in fifty years. Go back a while ago, yeah. I came over from Ireland to sign up for this commission, as I thought I was doing. I was signing up for this commission. My youngest son was with me, and it was Anna directed my son to go to where I first got my son's birth certificate. Mm-hmm. I have to say, ladies, it's a shocking story, and I don't know what the end result of all this is going to be and how this is going to get better. Anna, I appreciate you coming on the air. I do want to talk to more women after the break as well in relation to it, as usual, Anna. Thank you for updating us. And, Marie, I wish you well, and I hope you get to see your son, who will be 40 years of age now at this stage. Uh, I hope you get to see him very, very soon. Uh, some of the texts coming in. Accepting an apology is agreeing with everything in the reports. Somebody else, yeah, you're right. You're right. Why would you agree? What I find the most damning thing in the report, again, the report says it, it appears to have found that neither the Catholic Church nor the state force women into these homes. What a shocking thing to say. What a shocking thing to say. Considering that was the way it was at the time and that the Catholic Church put this guilt on Irish women. Um, the men, they got away scot-free, of course. They walked away. They, but they put this guilt on Irish women that if you're pregnant and you're not married, this is where you have to have your baby. And we'll look after your baby. We'll take it off. We just You daren't have the baby. Oh, the shame of being a single parent with an illegitimate child. My God, you couldn't be living with that now. And they made sure that your parents, if they wanted to stay in good standing with the local parish priest, they would make sure that the parents would make sure that you went to that home. Sorry, Anna, you wanted to say something just before I went okay, to I, I'm sorry. You know I always have to have the last word. But listen, one of our members died last week. Des Lally from America. And I'm sorry I had, about that. I had to pursue this for a year and a half. Des is in America trying to force the, the, the uh, commission to actually contact uh, Des. And Des now has died before he will ever see 
justice. And the other thing I want to go back to as well, they stated that they couldn't uh, confirm that there was adoption from the home, illegal adoption. My brother is the subject of an illegal adoption. My other brother, William, he's a Garner report in 2013, marked dead in the ledgers, no death certificate, no reason for death, no medical certification of death. And I'm sure to this day, he's walking around America and has no idea who I am, who he is, or that there's a commission going on. So and all of this ends up being CBS. Right? Yeah, this is the point they said that the institutions were paid to arrange foreign adoptions are impossible to prove or disprove, yeah. I have it here in paperwork because they uncovered it in 2012 and they know that children were sent to the H- by the HSC. Well, 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 you're right. It's quite an insulting uh, report, I'll be honest it's with you. An insult. It is. It is. It is. It is. And I would completely agree with you, Anna. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Anna. Thank you, Niall. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. All right, after the break, I'll talk to you. Maybe uh, you were born in a mother and baby home. Maybe you were a woman who had a baby in a mother and baby home. What was it like? Can you describe it to us, please? And how do you feel about this report, which basically takes all the blame off the Catholic Church and the state, suggests there was no foreign adoptions or there either, without, either they can't prove them or disprove them. Uh, the minister, uh, should I say, the Taoiseach, will apologise in the cabinet uh, to the mothers and children, uh, the 60,000 children born and those 9,000 of those who died by the way and obviously to the mothers who had those babies they will apologise on Wednesday there will be a full state apology as soon as the doll resumes but is it enough? Is that enough? Are the government doing enough? Let me know what you think the numbers 087 Absolutely shocking this report from what I've read now I've only obviously read the excerpts that everybody else has read I haven't read the full report yet it's due to be actually out I think uh, tomorrow as far as I know the, the, the full report uh, is supposed to be out but it has deeply angered a lot of people and you, we spoke to Anna Corrigan there a few minutes ago and to be honest with you you know look I'm not as much invested as many other people may be in particularly a, a mothers as a child born in a mother and baby home and spending years looking for my bare parents and how badly the whole thing was dealt with. And I was told at the age of 54 that I had a sister for the first time in 50 years. I mean, they are like chickens with their heads cut off, the people who, organ- who uh, look after all this. But this report has been delayed and delayed and delayed. And because it had been delayed so many times, from the original children's minister to Roderick O'Gorman, you would have imagined uh, that... You know, at some stage during this report, it would acknowledge the hardship that these women went through, and, I, and I'm sure it does to some degree. But some of the, they undo the whole thing, then, uh, you know, by basically taking the blame off the Catholic Church and the state, which is disgusting, absolutely disgusting, because there is no other reason those women would be in there having those babies if the state had have supported them. That would have never had to happen. And if the Catholic Church hadn't have shamed them into having a child, an illegitimate child. For those, by the way, who don't know what I'm talking about, I was born in 1963 in St. Patrick's Home on the Navan Road and I got a birth record because I wasn't allowed to get a, a, a birth certificate. For the first time, uh, I got a birth certificate going back by, actually, it was by trickery. I actually got it probably uh, illegally in some sense because I'm not meant to get one. About six or seven years ago, it was the first time I got my own birth certificate. And up to that point, I, had a, I could have a baptismal certificate or an adoption certificate, or I have a birth record which was given to me by St. Patrick's Home of the Navan Road. And if you don't believe me that they put on your birth record that you were illegitimate, just to make sure you're really stigmatised, which, by the way, they're now saying, according to the report, the status of illegitimacy um, is a profound breach of human rights. So my human rights were breached by that, is what they're saying. And if you don't believe me, it was on it. I've asked Ashling now. I've scribbled out, obviously, the second name, which was my birth mother's name on it. And mind you, on my original birth record, they spelt my name wrong. It's N-I-A-L. They didn't put two L's in it anyway. But I've asked Ashling just to put it up on Twitter. So it's on our Twitter account now. And you will see that they give you an option, legitimate and illegitimate, and you scratch out the one that's not 
uh, obviously uh, the one that's not res- uh, relevant. So, so I'm left with the word illegitimate. So I'm an illegitimate child. Nice to know, isn't it? Terry, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Terry? Hi, Niall. Um, first and foremost, uh, my son's name that I gave him is Niall. Oh, and and I love and, saying and, it out loud. It's not uh, very many Niles on you. No, there isn't that many. And how did you spell it? With one L or two? Two. Good. That's the right way to spell it. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I was actually, I was when I was born in St. Patrick's Home, the Navin Road, I must have been given that name. My mother never changed it, obviously, when I was adopted. So I was, that was the name Wasn't I was Wasn't that given. wonderful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because my son's name has changed. Right. But, um, yeah. No, Niall, I just want to say, to reiterate something that I heard when you were speaking to Anna and Maria. I know both of them. Um, I wasn't a, a, a person who was brought to one of these institutions by my family or community or, or my own society. I was working in England. I was pregnant and the Catholic Crusade and Rescue Society abducted me, put me on a plane. I landed in a place called Cork where I was met by two nuns who collected me. One was Sister Paul, who pretended to be a social worker. She never was. And I was locked away in, in Besborough, penniless, uh, no clothes, no nothing. I was worked hard and I had a, a medical uh, problem. I never saw a doctor. We didn't get medical care because the, the midwife had left that was there. Her daughter later wrote a book, like a candle in the window or something like that. But um, to just bring you to, to, to the thing, I, I tried my best to ask the nuns to help me. I knew from talking to other girls, we, we knew nothing about pregnancy. You never hear us being described as expecting mums, new mums. Nothing. Imagine for a moment you've just given birth mm-hmm. to a beautiful human being. No no congratulation cards, no nothing. But you've got a, a bar of carbolic soap left near your bedside. I think that signified the cleansing of your filthy soul, mm-hmm. which we're reminded of every day. But to be honest with you, I knew. What I year? Was sorry, what, what year was this? Nineteen seventy-three. Nineteen seventy-three. Okay. So they took me out of England, brought me back here, and um, I had to write a letter home every week. The nun would send us the letter. You put the letter in the envelope. You addressed the envelope to your family home. That letter in the envelope was put into another envelope that was sent to where the Catholic Crusade and Rescue Society and St Anne's in London took it out, put an English stamp on it and posted it back to Ireland. Your trunk call on the Saturday evening was a nun standing beside you who put on a slight English accent and when the phone mm. was answered, she would say to the person answering it, um, are you willing to accept a trunk call? And she'd hand the phone to you and you would be allowed to say hello to whoever answered the phone in your home. They, them, them thinking I was still working away happily in London. Mm. And this was all done, <clears throat> and you couldn't you couldn't make this up, Terry. You really no, just couldn't. You couldn't. But I wasn't alone. This is like a life. bad movie plot. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. I just I just wish people, you know, when you see that RTE ad about the the, the mother and the father and and the new life. Mm-hmm. I wish people for a moment could just imagine what it was like. I escaped from Besborough, but I was caught and put in the Navin Road, and my son was born in the annex in the Navin Road and I had got a, a, a medical problem. I was, there, I was there for 18 months. 18 months of my life I spent in the Navin Road until I was adopted. I know and Niall, all I can say to you is I, I will go to my grave as Niall's mother 
and I will never allow anybody to call me a birth mother. I was so elated knowing I could have had a legal termination of my pregnancy in a legal hospital in London. A doctor asked me would I like to stay in and I, I refused point blankly. I because you wanted living. to have your baby? Yes. I loved him. I started my bottom drawer in, in Wood Green, North London and everything I bought him out of my wages was a yellow baby grow, a yellow blanket. Everything was yellow because the lovely lady there kept telling me, you know, don't buy blue or pink, you know. Because you don't know what it's going to be, yes. Yeah, yeah. by my colleagues. I vanished from the earth in London. My previous employers will never know why I didn't show for work that day. You know, and even when I came back here and I escaped, I thought, you know, I'll try and get back to England. No, they caught me. And in the annex, they wrapped me in tinfoil because I was so bad. And I, I was put in an ambulance. I have no, I have no recollection of this night, by the way. It's all on my record. And you'd probably been brought to St. Kevin's then, as it was called at the I, time. Because they owned it. They yeah. passed seven hospitals en route. Yeah, because I, I have I have reports in my in my birth that I was in Saint I was sick for I think for a, a few months, and yeah. I was brought to St Kevin's. Correct. They owned it. That's the reason you were brought there. They passed the Coombe. They passed Holly Street. They passed the Rotunda. St Pat's is on the on the north side. Mm-hmm. And you know where St mm-hmm. Kevin's is, and you, you can imagine, you know. And a uh, Doctor Stewart signed papers belong to me, and I don't even know who he is. But because I was presented previous, I shouldn't have been working so hard or carrying heavy goods or doing any of that sort. But the nun turned around and told me in Besborough, that's why I ran. She said there was a grotto outside in the grounds and she told me to go out and beg God for forgiveness and mm. beg him to clean my sins and, and he would look after me and my unborn baby. There was a window in the top floor in Besborough then many of us knew about, we called it the suicide window. Many's the girl, many's the girl who went for that window. And that's the truth. There was a padded cell in in the grounds on the bottom floor. And if you ran away, the guards brought you back. You know, it's this business about families and fathers and mothers and bringing them into... O'Reilly asked in the terms of reference, he wanted to know three things. How we got into these institutions, which I will never call a home. There's no homes in this country. And secondly, how we were treated in these institutions and how we exited from these institutions. Most of us was handed a ticket for the boat. Not a plane ticket now, you know. Mm, yeah. I was put on the plane because my precious commodity inside me meant more to them. But I was, most of us was given a boat ticket. And the reason for that was to get us out of the system so we wouldn't show up in the Irish system so they could go on claiming for us. Now, the state paid them, paid them for me and for my son, Niall. They paid them. So when the state says they weren't responsible, yes, they were. Of course, because they facilitated it. Yes, they enabled it. But also, most importantly, Niall, they never once checked to see if the contract they made between them and the Irish Catholic Church 
was it being upheld? Because I, I do remember a story of a Garda station near St. Navin, the St. Patrick's home of the Navin Road, and there had been stories in the area of things that weren't, that were untoward that were going on in there, and the way yeah. children were treated and the way mothers were treated. And the yeah. Garda sergeant was asked by a member of the public or by somebody to investigate it, or to, can you look into it, or can you find out what's going on? And he went, no, we, we, we don't get involved in that. That's that's their own business. They they do with it. In other words, Correct. We, were com- we were completely, I won't say, that the word is not oblivious. We ignored the fact that something was going wrong. We turned a blind eye to the yes. these catastrophic events that were happening in these homes. And as you but said, also, you're right, you're right. They're not yeah. homes. They're institutions. Of course they are. Also, please, please bear in mind that an awful lot of the population of Ireland were profoundly Catholic, were profoundly afraid of their own God. And remember, they actually believed that these people, these clergy people, were good people. They were supposed to be doing God's work. Why would they doubt them? Why, how could a nun go into a, a, a judge and rubber stamp, rubber stamp adoptions, maybe 40 or 50 at a time? How could a nun in 381 Navin Road on my son's birth certificate, it says that she registered my, my son as a resident of 381 Navin Road? We weren't allowed and, and do, to do me a favour, just before I go into the break, can you, can you take me back to the day, the last time that you saw Niall? Oh, when... Niall. Niall, I'll never, I take, I'll take it with me. We have a silent grief inside of us. We, we live with this grief. There's no, there's no closure, only death. Even if you had the honour of, of finding and getting a reunion with your daughter or son, then you're amplified by the, the greatest loss of all. You can visibly see and amplify that loss by a thousand times. So the loss just goes on and on and on. And not just for me. I know deep down in my son somewhere there is a void. There is something there, a sense. I used to, I used to hum to him because I was lucky. Imagine saying I was lucky to be so ill. I was actually allowed to stay in the annex when I returned from the hospital. Whereas under normal circumstances, you were sent back into the large house to work a day after your child was born. And your child was locked away in a nursery that only opened for feeding times. I and mean, and we were, there's, for those people who haven't seen that, there's pictures online of these nurseries where you'd see twenty or yeah. thirty cots in a line. Yeah, yeah. They were they were positioned in such a way so that the wannabe buyers, and I call them buyers because they donated and donated and donated. Should they were beholden to this this system of giving them a beautiful little girl or a little boy? So the, the cots were laid out and if we were pregnant and we were doing parlour duty, we had to serve tea and biscuits to, to people who came up on a Sunday after Mass to view our babies. And we had to, we, we weren't allowed to do parlour duty if you had your baby for fear that you'd recognise a couple. And that's the truth. So, the, so, so the men and women who yeah. wanted to adopt your children and were basically going up like, like, and I, I hate, I don't mean this in a bad way, Terry, but they would go up like you, you'd pick a puppy out of a box in a pet shop. They, they, Correct, the men yeah. and women who are picking these children, you'd be making them tea and biscuits to choose possibly your child. Yes. Yes, only, only people who didn't have a baby, the baby was still inside of them, were allowed to serve those tea and biscuits because there was no way that that particular couple could take your child. You know, it was only and, women. And, and the day, the the last day that you saw Niall, when was that? Can you remember <laughs> the day? That, yeah, God, 
afternoon of the day. Uh, because I escaped Besborough, I have to tell you, all my paperwork from England came to Besborough, and Besborough, I was one of their items. My house name was Tracy, my number was 71725. And Pat's, when I, I was put in there, they despised me because they weren't getting paid for me. But Sister Paul came up in a car on a Saturday morning and she took my Nile and stripped him bare and left all his clothes at the end of his car. And that's how I found out my son was gone. And Nile, I never signed any paper. I never signed a paper. She, she wrote, I got my records back thanks to Kevin Higgins, a very wonderful, good solicitor who helped me. And I got all my truth about seven years ago. And I found out that she brought him back to Besber where I had escaped from because I seen what way the babies were treated in Besber. And they were treated the same in paths. It was the same all over. And even these girls um, who got their £100 paid, they might have been in a single cell, but they had to work too. Because the nuns thought it was very good for their for for their morale for their sins. And and, if I, and, we, and sorry, Terry. And I, God, I'd love to have this conversation with you all day because it's so informative. And you know what you're doing, Terry? You're doing a wonderful service for all the mothers and babies out there because you're painting such an amazing picture. We can all, it's like listening to you is like watching a movie. I can literally see you there. I can, when you describe the parlour, you describe making the tea and biscuits and escaping from Besborough. Everybody is with you, we're with you all the way. When, do you, and, and now, do you know what my greatest regret in, in this part of this time of my life? Um, I play piano, I compose music and I write songs and poetry. And um, I used to hum this tune to now. And I never put words to it. It was just a simple little tune. My granddaughter, about oh, about eight years ago, said, Nanny, why did you never put words on Niall's song? And I said, because I never could find them. And she said, why don't you try? And she was right. It just flowed out of me, and I called it Remember Me. And I'm hoping, if he ever hears it, that the tune might spark something in him. You know, I, I don't know. My My son is out there, and he breathes the same air as me. He, he thankfully wasn't sold to America, but it, it wouldn't have mattered where he was sold to in this country because of the brick wall. And we were warned if we ever dared look for our children that the guards would arrest us. You know, we would face... And how, how, old, so how old is he now? Remind me again. Sorry, my maths He's 47 now. 47 now. That's right. He would be 10 yeah. years younger than me, of course, yeah, because I was 63. Yeah. Now you're talking about 73. Yeah. I, I have, Terry, do me a favour. Stay there because I have to take a break and I want to talk to you a little bit more and I want to talk to Colleen after the break as well. Uh, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The number's 87 My God, so many calls in, so many people texting in who were either in the homes or had babies in the homes. Well, as Terry rightly said, I'm going to have to get into a habit of stop calling it a home. She's Right. They were never homes. Homes kind of paints a picture of something nice and warm and fresh, doesn't it? They were institutions. They were prisons. Stay with me, Terry, if you can, just a second, because I want to bring Colleen as well in before the news. It is, is it Colleen or Colleen? Sorry. It's Colleen. Oh, okay, Colleen. Uh, Colleen, uh, and you, you spoke, uh, I suppose, to us before. I do remember you vaguely on the air with us before. I think when we were talking about Tume, going back a little while ago, and you were born in a mother and baby home and you were sent to America. That's correct. I talked to you when I was um, in the States and I was actually planning on coming back home. 
I do, I, I do, I do remember that. Yeah, I do vaguely remember that. I know it's probably about two or three years. Is it two years ago now? Wasn't it? I think about yeah, two years. over two years ago that I've been back. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, you've been listening to some of the stories of the women, and you've heard about the report that said where basically the blame has been taken off the Catholic Church and the state. It's ne- neither neither their fault really that this all happened. How do you react to that? Well, I think, first of all, I think the fact that the story was leaked out was really um, very much of a betrayal to everybody, to the mothers and the babies, Um, a lack of respect, mistrust, which I think we all, because of everything we've gone through, we've experienced in our emotions and everything. So I think that's a disappointing thing. Um, Nobody wants to be blamed. That's the whole thing. You know, it's the church, government, nobody likes to take the blame, but... They are to blame. I well, mean, but somebody just, has to take responsibility for what happened to people like Terry and everybody else and, and yourself and, and me and everybody else involved in this. I mean, the 60,000 children and the, and the women who had those children. Somebody has to take responsibility. Exactly. It's accountability. And it has to be, it has to be done. And I think it's going to be done. But where, where it goes from there, you know, just the fact, like I said, the fact that this story was leaked was just a lack of respect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we. I think we've all, especially the mothers, have already had that in their life, the lack of respect. Well, the, the state apology is going to be quite mealy-mouthed now when you take into consideration that what's in the report. Uh, and I know the groups rep- representing mothers and children are very angry in relation to this. And it, the main part of it being, you know, that they're not accepting any responsibility. So what are they actually apologising for? If they're, if they're not, in other know. words, if they're not yeah. accepting responsibility, neither the state nor the Catholic Church uh, are being found to, you know, to have any blame in this. And also that the allegations that the institu- institutions are paged to arrange for foreign adoptions, they said they had been either proved or disproven. I mean, in other words, they're more or less kind of just saying that all of these are just stories. We don't believe it. That's what they're more or less right. saying. Right. Well, I think they're just they're just doing what they what a lot of government officials seem to do, whether it's here or in the states. If they're if they're being if they get caught or they have to they have to be accountable, they have to say something. It's just a matter of looking good for themselves. It's not really I think Anna said it, actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. You know, words are just words and um again for the mothers and everything like Terry, you know, who's heartbroken, it's just I'm, an I'm, apology. I'm heartbroken listening to Terry. Yeah. And, it, you know, the apology won't won't help somebody like her or myself. It'll still be nice that they I don't even know if the word would be right to say nice, but that they, that they will acknowledge it. Maybe that's what the word should be instead of an apology and acknowledgement. But again, like Anna said, actions speak louder than words. I mean, Terry, I mean, the the apology that they, Michal Martin will give on Wednesday, Terry, yeah. that, does, I, I, it makes no difference to your life, essentially, because what's happened has happened and it doesn't make your life any easier. It doesn't make those memories go away. It doesn't make the trauma of it all go away. But in some way, does it help? No, Nile. First and foremost, I I was a member of the Collaborative Forum. I'm also 27 years a volunteer running support groups for women like myself. I was lucky enough to go back to third level education to reshape my life. And people who happened in my pathways along my life, Shanti Educational, changed my life. Um, and I I just, I I have been on a mission mostly to reach Nile himself. And in doing so, um, I try to help and reach out to others. We get no support from the state whatsoever. We've been invisible for over 70 years. One of my group members is 86 this year and her son is 70. And that woman is waiting her whole life for somebody to tell her she did no wrong. 
Now that's just a little example. Of well, I'm I'm telling I'm telling you just like my own birth mother, and I don't you know, I know you don't like the word birth mother, and no. I, understand, I understand why you don't, by the way, because you are a mother. You're not a birth yeah. mother. You're a mother. Yeah. And yeah. and you have done nothing wrong. No, I know. And I, I know that, and you know that, and everybody yeah. else knows that. Unfortunately, the state report doesn't find that. It's, it doesn't want to blame anybody but, else apart from Getting back to the apology for Wednesday, I have been in touch. I've, I've talked to Michal over the years, long before he came back into government, and he always promised me he would help. And I begged Michal, please make a change this Wednesday, under no circumstances, and say sorry. Sorry is way too late. It's too easy. It's too flippant. But ask our forgiveness. Ask our forgiveness for not being there for us. For not being there when we held our beautiful newborn baby. And I'm telling you now, Niall, believe me from the cockles of my heart, I have yet to meet a mother who did not adore her newborn. But she wasn't allowed. She was denied that. By her state, we were denied motherhood. We were denied medical care, counselling care, any kind of care. If you had an abscess on your gum, God help you, you were just left there. Lads down the road in Mountjoy, criminals, who the state had cleared and said, yes, you commit this crime, you serve the time. They could knock at the door and say, guard, I need a priest. Guard, I need a dentist. Guard, I need an optician. Guard, I need a doctor. I have a sore throat. We had nothing. Our human rights were totally denied. We were dehumanised the moment that that door locked behind us. And the nuns and the priests and the Pope are all denying the fact. They say we, we, we were able to go at any given time. We weren't forced. They're lying. They are lying. We couldn't walk out. We couldn't. The doors were locked, Nile. The doors were locked. So he says, Niall, uh, my heart is with that lady and I hope uh, one day she will be reunited with her son, Geraldine. Another person says, Niall, harrowing stories. Did you ever find out who your birth father was? Um, uh, in all these stories over the years, fathers are like invisible creatures, never a part of what happened. Why so? Um, well, um, in, a, in a lot of cases, actually, in a lot of cases, fathers kind of, I suppose, maybe they were gone. I don't, you know, I they just probably weren't around to deal with the consequences because... See, you have to remember the times that it was. If a guy who's 20 years of age, maybe they got a 19-year-old girl pregnant, a lot of cases, that's the, the kind of age group we're looking at here. You know, he was kind of more or less told by the family, you know, get away. The, 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 the whole situation wasn't conducive with a good relationship because they were never encouraged, maybe apart from get married very quickly, they were never encouraged to be together, to be a family, because that's not the way families were. We accept, of course, nowadays families have many different types of facets. But in those days, a family was a husband and a wife and a child and a house. There was never a situation where a family, according to the Catholic Church, could be a mother and a child. Let me just go back to Terry, if I, if I can. Uh, Terry, and I'm sorry for cutting you there, because obviously you we had to go to the news, and, I, and I'm sure you understand. Uh, and obviously it was mentioned in the news there again. You heard me, Hal Martin. It, yeah, yeah. Can I just mention it to you? Um, I did beg... Michal Martin, um, not to say sorry, but to ask her forgiveness on the grounds that he might maybe be able to make a change for a genuine respect for all of us of what happened. Nothing can undo it. Nothing can give us back our lives. Nothing. Except the acknowledgement may help our adult children to really learn and understand why and how they were separated from their mothers. 
Terry, and, and, you know, Terry, I could, I could bring on a million people today to tell us all about their experiences, you know, in Bespra and in St. Patrick's yeah. Home and the Navan Road. And, and to all those who are listening, and I haven't acknowledged all the homes in Kilrush Manor House, um, Regina, Sean yeah, Ross Abbey, should I say? Gary, yeah, St. Yeah. Gerard's, St. Patrick's, the castle in... in um, oh, the castle didn't close down until 2006. St. Kevin's says, yeah, as well. Yeah, um, yeah. The where is it? Cork City uh, County Home, uh, Thomastown, yep. uh, Belmont, Bespra, Eglinton Road, Bethany uh, Home as well. The Bond Secures, yes. with their baby home in Tume, of course, which which we mentioned at the start of the Absolutely. show too. Denny House and a few others. So, if anybody was born anywhere else, I, I'm not. Please don't think that I'm not mentioning where, where you were born or where you might have had your baby. Of course, because there was so many of them at the time of these homes, yeah. as they call them, and rightly so. You said they're institutions, but we're a, all. a lot of people are sympathising with you in relation to the fact that you know you haven't seen Niall since um, he'd be 47 years of age and, I, and I'm sure you think about him 48 this year yeah on his yeah. birthday you'll be thinking about him on his yeah. birthday and where he'd be always and... do it's 6.30 in the morning I've always lit a candle whether it's a little cake or whatever mm-hmm. I sing happy birthday to him and for years I would just go around my dressing gown on the day of his birthday and mourn and now I don't anymore now now I celebrate his birthday mm-hmm. I, I know my heart and soul and a very very kind and loving person gave me a card a few years ago. Congratulations on the birth of your baby boy. One and only card I ever got. And I just cried with happiness and joy that I now am proud to celebrate that I gave birth to a beautiful, beautiful little boy. And I know my heart and soul, he has my genes inside of him and they couldn't take them out of him. No, he he's, he's out there. He's out there somewhere, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, hopefully is that, and maybe you know. The, the, do you ever think about the fact that he's probably he could be married, he might have children, so you could be a, you could be a grandparent as well. Yeah, it's, it's it's very hard when you think of all the losses that I spoke about and the grief. Mm. I I name it our living bereavement, and not many people understand. They're not even trained counsellors, and that's not their fault now. Yeah. In Baggett Street, some of the women were handed a plastic card for the National Counselling Helpline. They've just been hit by a bus and been re-traumatised. But, they, but they, they handled this so badly because I, in my own personal situation, I spoke about it going back a few years ago when I was 54 at the time, I think. And I, I got a phone call one day from Nexus House, which was um, Tusla yeah. uh, in Nexus That's House. Right. yeah, And they yeah. have all the records. The re- records from St. Louise's Adoption Society uh, were transferred, yeah. which that's the Adoption Society I went through. They were transferred over to, uh, to, Nexus, to Nexus House. And they rang me one day, this woman, who I could only describe as somebody, to me, sounded like a nun, but anyway. Um, and she was saying to me, oh, you, you met your mother going back a few years ago now, didn't you? And I said, I did, yeah. She said, how did that go? And I said, it was difficult. I said, because I didn't know what to expect. And I don't know what I expected, you know. And, you know, it's not a relationship you can just contrive because they denied me that yeah. relationship with her, right? And yeah. and she said, and I'm just chatting in the car to this woman. And she said, well, you know, Times were very different then, you know, Niall, you have to understand that the times are very different and, you know, it wasn't right for women to be having. And it almost sounded like she was reiterating the conversations that would have happened to her. In other words, there was no, you know, I, I apologise, this no shouldn't have happened. No, no, the attitude hasn't no. changed. And, no. and then I'm sitting, I'm driving the car and I'm on my way home from work at the time. And she says, oh, by the way, um, did you know you have a sister? <gasps> and I said, no, I didn't know that. And she said, oh, yeah, you have a sister. She's a year older than you. Uh, she was born in St. Patrick's home as well. And I yeah. said, and, and she's a year older than me. And I said, I said, who is she? She said, oh, well, I can't tell you that. 
And I said, well, why did you bother telling me I was sending it also? Yeah, and you're uh, a grown man, a grown adult. And she said, uh, as far as I know, she says, the only information I can give you is she's in the UK. Now, I was very lucky that I work in media and I happened yeah. to mention it to a friend of mine who works for the Daily Mail. They ran a front page story the following day. And within two days, my sister in the UK saw the story, put two two together, rang the radio station. I rang her. Turns out she was my sister. And we met up. Um, we still keep in touch every now and again. We bring each other at Christmas and birthdays. And, and, I, and I, she came over here to Ireland and we went out for a meal and everything else. And, but the, we grew up in the same housing estate even though we didn't know each other, and yeah. we knew our mutual friends. We could have, because we were the same age, roughly, but a year, we could have ended up dating, if you know that's what I mean. Right. No, I mean, the bizarreness right. of the whole thing, uh, the lack genetic of communication. Attraction, genetic attraction has uh, mm. been profound in many areas, and, and that's another thing they don't even consider, that, that there's a bond that can be made, and exactly like what you just described, but here's you know, the, here's the hor- the horrible part about it is she had contacted uh, St. Louise's and the HSC going back many years ago saying that, look, you know, I want to leave my name with you. If anybody comes forward, you know, yeah. be it my mom or whatever, or brother or whatever, can you please give them my name? So in other words, the two of us had contacted them, but yet they wouldn't put the two together years you beforehand. Think, yeah. And you know what Mother Sarah she, she did on a few of the mothers, but one particular mother is a hard case. But... um. She went to her and begged her for, for any information on her son. And in, in the meantime, her son, we found out, had gone to, to, to sister, or mother Serto in Vesper, begging for information on his mother. She had left an open file like you. And um, she was very concerned and, and nothing. And then um, Serto told her, her her son had passed away and to forget and get on with her life. And she told her son that his mother had passed away to get on with his life. And he commits suicide. And that's the kind of thing they did to people's lives. You know, like I said, Niall, they can't undo any of this. But the acknowledgement alone will give some of the women out there today peace. And I just want to say to all the women that know me, and I'm getting on the phone to as many as I can, don't actually access the internet. Don't, wouldn't have a clue what a webinar is, uh, or Zoom or any of these things. They rely on me to call them. If I have anything for them, I post out to them. Mm-hmm. And they're the women that I'm more concerned about today, especially the women in their 80s, um, who think today is going to be a very special day for them, and it turns out it's not. They thought it was going to be some sort of acknowledgement, as you rightly yeah. said earlier on, yeah. an acknowledgement yeah. that they did nothing wrong. Yeah. Because yeah. that's not what this report is. This report is not that acknowledgement, because it clearly states that neither the Catholic Church nor the state forced women into the homes, which indicates or almost blames their parents or them. Yeah. That's what it does. And it does, does not um, mention anything about, for argument's sake, even if a woman voluntarily went in there, or a girl, the fact if they were offering a service of care, nutrition... Um, medical, uh, everything. They didn't. Uh, they didn't conform to that. They didn't um, do that. So they commit blatant fraud. Well, apart from anything else, the report clearly found that infant mortality rate in the institutions was twice as high as the general community. In other words, that you had more likely that your child would die in these places because of obviously neglect. Do, do me a favor, Terry. Just stay with me. I know I'm keeping you ages, Terry. And no, I know you're fine now because you're doing a wonderful service to all the women who might be listening to you right now, and now they'll know. 
what's happening. They'll know about the webinar, that they will have no idea what that even means. Well, I, know, well, I had a, a, an opportunity today, Ashling, my reporter, or my producer said to me, do you want to talk to a politician or something? He says, no, I said, I don't. I said, I, I just want to talk to the women. I don't, Fair want, to, play to, you know. I don't want to talk to them. Okay, well, stay there for a second because I want to just go to John very quickly as well. John, you're yes. on Classic Kids. John, you've been listening to Terry. Now, John, you had a different role back at that time in the Navin Road. What was your role? Hello, can you hear me now, yes? I can, yeah, I can, John. Yeah, listen, Greg, listen to your show, I'm a guy family. No, we delivered laundry. To the, the Navin Road? In the 70s. From James's Hospital used to do the laundry. Oh, okay. And we were told not to speak to anyone going in, except one lady. That was the lady that took the laundry, and, you know, the people that took the laundry and the one we took the laundry off, that was one woman. We were told not to speak to anyone. And did you ever question why you were told not to speak to anyone? No, by the way, I'm not trying to blame you, John, or blame anybody, but did you ever question that? No, well, I got an eerie feeling, because my mother was reading the comments. Mm-hmm. My mother was reading Lightland's comments, anyway. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and, like, as a child growing up, with big resentments against religious orders and all, because the treat my mother went. My mother couldn't read on right coming out of the comments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my mother used to knit her arnets. She was that good with knit needles. Yeah. They taught her how to earn money with her hands, but she never got an education. And my mother was the eldest in the convent, our sisters, the four of her sisters. Now, she felt responsible for her sisters, but one of her sisters got rheumatic fever in the convent, and she was brought to the hospital of the dying. My mother used to tell all this to me when I was a child, you know? And the biggest fear my mother had in the 70s was, or in the late 60s, was children going into care because yeah. it was affected by her. Yeah, you know, of course, of course. and because of that, I was the only boy in the family, and my mother treated me like a dog, because I was the dog she never had in the comet. She had a terrible fear of me getting put into into care, and my sisters going into care. You know, and now, now that affected us growing up as, as siblings. My mother's pain or rejection, the shame she felt, because she was made a ward of the court. Yeah, her father died. And all the three sisters and a brother, four sisters and a brother. See, there was no. See, this this is the problem. The Catholic Church had a, a great hold over the country because yeah. there was no state support for women, uh, particularly at the time, who found themselves in these situations. So, the, and and you're right, they didn't get an education. Many of them worked in the Magdalen laundries as well. But getting back to St. Patrick's Home in the Navan Road, so you'd arrive there, you know, to collect the laundry and collect and the laundry and don't speak to anyone. Good laundry and the clean laundry and clean, and not speak to anyone. It was like something, it was like going into, of course it was a prison when we realised that today, but mm-hmm. it, it was a terrible, weirdy feeling. It was like something out of an Oliver Twist film. You're going when, I, when I look back, because obviously, because I was born there, I, I, I look back at some old photographs of it, and I'm sure I don't need to tell Terry what the place looked like. But it did look, it looked eerie. It looked like some sort of old military hospital. It was a kind of eerie looking place, wasn't it? And maybe yeah, yeah. we're looking at it with different glasses on us now, but maybe at the time it didn't. I don't, I, I wasn't there. Well, when I say I wasn't there at the time, I was there, but I was young. But it, we look back at it differently, I suppose, now, but it was an eerie looking place, wasn't it? Yeah, but years later, young readers, Whitey told us not to say that because in case we make contact with the, the mother and mothers and babies in the, in the, in the place, you know. Yeah. And we, you know, we make contact outside. But it was like a prison. That's the best way to describe it. Is that... Is, Terry, you is know? that the way, well, that's the way it felt to you? John, thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Can I just add something to what you just said? A prison camp. Yeah, mm. yeah. I well, we didn't realise it then, until later on in years, why? 
I understand. You know. I can tell you now the smell and atmosphere in that place and in Besborough and I'm sure in all the other institutions. When I landed in Cork that first night, um, the door shut behind me and I stood in this hallway and what hit me most was this smell of fear, of something, energy, trapped energy. And yeah. that was all around the place. And I remember an electrician and his apprentice uh, he got in touch with me a number of years ago. I don't know how he got my number, but he did. And like you, John, he was sent out there to fix lights of some kind. Yeah. And he, he heard sounds and stuff, and, and the guy he worked for told him to shut his mouth and never speak of it. And Terrible that's the on. truth. Terrible. You know, it, it was, we were never That's, that's a shocking allowed. code of silence, isn't there? Say yeah. nothing. We you were know. never allowed to reach out to the outside world without censorship. So, you know, at the end of I, the I know, day... I know my mother was sent every day up to Fibsborough um, to clean the church. Um, yeah. She was, she was asking... And from what I believe, by the way, that she was uh, taken advantage of up there by, from what I can only be told, was a priest. Um, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he served Mass in the little chapel in, in St. Pat. Yeah. Okay, he well, entered, yeah. Okay, well, I, I don't want to go into names, but... No, me neither. Yeah, I can't okay, be but, bothered at this stage of my know, life. But, but unfortunately, what happened was she had already had a child there who was my older sister. And then yeah. while she was there, she stayed on for a while because some mothers were, were made to stay on. And from That's what right. I believe, from what I was led to believe, was a lot of these mothers were good breastfeeders. Um, and they would stay there because they would breastfeed well, well, some of the other babies as well. Mile. They stopped the breastfeeding. By the time the 70s came around, you were never allowed to breastfeed okay. your child. Okay. The reason being was they realised that they were getting too many complaints from what they call the real mammies and daddies, um, so that the child would be going onto a bottle by its mammy and daddy, what they called. So they, they didn't want these women bonding with the children? No. We were only allowed to hold the baby at the, uh, on our knees, and I used to put Nile up at my neck because he loved it that, like that. And I was lucky in the annex because there was nobody there supervising me and, and I bonded with my beautiful baby and he bonded with me. I know he did. But it's, one girl came in in labour and she went off and she must have reported me. And two of them sat on me while the other one put my, pinched my nose and, and put tablets down my neck and warned me never attempt to feed my son again. Oh my. And, and every girl got those tablets and were made take them to dry up their milk because they realised the bottles were the best thing and the locked and timed entries into these. There was two nurseries in most of these institutions, Nursery 1 and Nursery 2. Nursery 1 was the perfect babies on show and Nursery 2, most of them ended up in Temple Hill. When you, when you say the perfect babies, but the, the more attractive looking babies, is it? No, not just attractive, but very healthy and clean and white. Now, the very first test they did on every single girl, every single girl was asked for a urine sample. The reason being, they wanted to make sure you hadn't got syphilis oh. because they, they wouldn't uh, t attend to anything of an adoption um, if you had syphilis. But that's the mindset. In, in, art, in the terms of reference that O'Reilly set up, I begged that man in the doll that day when they were voting to take Article 9 out before I went over to the Commission in that it states that we were in need of rehabilitation in order for us to be allowed back into society. Teresa, I, I, I should say, uh, Terry, I do apologise. I, I have to go into a break. Before you go, 
if if Niall is listening out there, and sorry, John, I, John, I appreciate yeah, no, you coming. No, I appreciate you coming on the air, John. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, if, no, if Niall was listening out there, where where do you think he might be? Have you any ideas, any clues? Maybe? I do. I know he's in this country, and I know the county he's in. And um, what county? What county is he in? Uh, Cork. Cork. Okay. Okay. We have a big yeah. audience in Cork. Right. Yeah. And do you think his name is still Niall? Oh, I know it's definitely not. Okay. <laughs> no, I okay. know that for certain. I was I managed to get most of my papers not redacted. Okay. Um I have all the evidence, I've loads of evidence. Do you know his do you know his I do you know his first name? I do, yeah. Are you allowed but to I can't, Are you allowed no. to tell us his first name? No, I I love him too much. Um to okay. do that to him. Okay, no, um, I know I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Okay. You can understand that, can't you? Now? Yeah, of course because I can. I can. His his house and his happiness means the world to me. I'm his mammy. I always was and always will be now. And nobody will take that away from me. Nobody. No matter, I, I was one of those poor, unfortunate, little, young, frightened girl who thought, no, nope, you're not getting my baby. But how naive was I now? They took him anyway. They rubber-stamped his adoption. He, he actually thought he was born in Cork. That'll tell you, you know. And I'm not, I'm not alone. And I hope some of the mothers who are listening to me, um, I don't normally get this upset. I'm it's normally okay. put on my prof- professional hat, <laughs> but um, I'm, I, I can't. No, no, because oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. No, I, I after no. what's transpired this past few days, past few years, and Yvonne Murphy, I hold nothing against that woman, and she's been wonderful to me and 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 the mothers, but um, she had to follow her remit. Okay, okay, but getting 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 back to I I can't go into any other individual case or the people yeah. that are not in the air at the moment. No, okay, gosh, no. okay, okay. But to, to talk to me just just very briefly before I go into the break. If if he was listening, right? And I know you don't want to mention his first name, and that's fine. And I wouldn't let you mention the second name anyway, right? No. Because we couldn't we couldn't do that either way. No, but but either way, if there was something you could say, just just if he happened to be listening today. And recognise that maybe you were talking about him. I don't know if he'd know that, or, or if he'd have any, if he has any knowledge even of what, you know, how his life started. Yeah. What What's the message you would like to just give to him? Can I say it as if I was talking to him? You can. Niall, this is your mum again, and all the records are there waiting for you to open. My CD is waiting for you to listen to it. And if you listen to Remember Me as I play it and sing it to you, you might spark something. And whatever happens, Niall, you are so loved by me and your daddy. And he was deprived too. Please, Niall, please, just one meeting or one phone call. Let me hear your voice telling me you're okay. That's all I need. Just let me know you're okay. Listen, Terry, I wish you the best of luck. And I, I know it's going to be a difficult few days for you because obviously it's in the news every single day. Yeah. And and it's going to bring it all back to you. And of course, coming on shows like this probably don't help your mental health in some, hel- some way. But maybe, no, maybe, it lets, maybe it lets it go. It's lets it go. It is, it is. It's good for me to talk about it as well, by the way. It's because healthy because we were silenced for yeah. so many years. It's healthy that we speak. It's healthy. Okay, listen, Terry, thank you very much indeed. All thank right. You. And, thank and you, I Ned. really, really and you wish mind you well. Too. Okay. Okay. All right. See you, Terry. <laughs> thank bye. You. It's been lovely. Bye bye. All right, bye bye. Bye bye. What an amazing woman. And I think for anybody 
listening from the start of the show who was in any doubt. I could bring on a million callers to talk about mother and baby institutions. And I don't think you'd really get a gist of what actually went on. But if you were ever in any doubt, I think that woman described everything that went on. Um, you could almost imagine and see her life, couldn't you? So if you were ever in any doubt of where the government and the Catholic Church went wrong in this country, well, now you know. Well, this is an apology. Micheál Martin is going to say sorry. They don't accept his apology. They didn't want an apology. They want an acknowledgement. An acknowledgement that the state and the Catholic Church were the ones responsible for putting these women into these homes. When you say putting, I didn't mean physically. They were forced, embarrassed, dragged. Um, their mothers and fathers more or less blackmailed by the local parish priest because this is what the Catholic Church did at the time. And... You know, they didn't do that. The report doesn't do that. The report doesn't admit anything. Some of the text coming in, uh, a lot of people, by the way, outraged uh, listening to Terry. When I say outraged, outraged at the status, what they put her through. Uh, another person says, uh, there, uh, there, but for the grace of God go I. In 1978, I had just turned 18 when my son was born in the rotunda following a long labour and emergency C-section. Within a couple of hours, a social worker was at my bed trying to get me to sign the papers. Obviously, adoption papers. I think the spirit of my late mother was with me, uh, guiding me as I refused to sign anything. I was still groggy and didn't really understand. She tried again the following day and I refused again. My point being, Nile, how underhanded they were at trying to get me to sign away my baby while I was at a very vulnerable time. My dad stepped in uh, when I told him and he soon put them straight. Thankfully, uh, they left me alone after that. Yes, this is the way they did things. Because you were obviously a single mum at the time. And that was a shameful thing. And your baby, I'm sorry to say, according to the state, was illegitimate. And uh, that's the way it was, wasn't it? You didn't keep those babies. Oh, shame on you. Walking out of the rotunda, a single mum with a baby under your arm. You'll be the shame of your whole village and your housing estate. And you'll put your parents to shame as well. Because that's what the Catholic Church did at the time. That's what the state did at the time. What a shocking country we lived in. We should be ashamed, really. We really should be ashamed we look back. And anybody who could support them after this uh, astounds me. Uh, sitting in my car now, I can't get out. Amazing show. Well done. Uh, Terry, who called in with about her son, Niles, she was just superb. I could listen to her all day. She could get the opportunity to tell her whole story to the country. Uh, she has an amazing has amazing details that will put the state and the current government to shame. Well done to Classic Hits. I hope uh, I have a WhatsApp group uh, for my neighbourhood and everybody is listening in. Well done. That comes in from Gillian in Limerick. Now, let me just go to, um, I have to go to Claire. Claire, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Claire? Hi, Niall. How are you? Good. Long time no talk to. Yeah, Claire, you, you were born in St. Patrick's home. I was. Yeah, I was born in 79, December 79, and wasn't adopted out of Temple Hill until March 81. Okay. Okay. So, so you were two, nearly two years old. Yeah, 15 months old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, do you think, Ashling was talking to me about this during the break. We were out having a smoke. And she said to me, well, you weren't adopted for 18 months. I think it was about 18 months. I was about 18 months old. She said, you know, we were saying, do you think it has an effect on your life? And I said, you know what? I'm quite an insecure person. And I think when I when I listened to Terry there talking about it, and she gave me really good insight as to what it was like, you know, in the annex and everything else where they had the cots. And I'm sure you've seen the pictures, Claire, in St. Patrick's Home of all the cots lined up. I was up. sent a photograph of me and a few other babies from Tuzla. Yeah, and... You know, th- there was probably a lack of bonding, a lack of cuddling, a lack of hugging, a lack of, you know, I, and maybe you, you may not remember it, but I suppose unconsciously, maybe it causes some sort of, you know, an insecurity. I don't know. Maybe that's what I said. That's how I explained it. How do you think it, it has an effect? Um, well, growing up, I was very um, a naughty child. I acted out an awful lot, but I think I craved attention. 
Mm-hmm. And I've always been like that as a child. Um, even as an adult, I go out of my way to help people to, to feel wanted, to feel in that circle, to, you know, to, just to be liked. Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from. I can only imagine it may stem from something that, you know, being in, in a cot for 15 months. Now, I, I made contact with some of the nurses who cared for me and the training nurses who cared for me, and they said, you were loved, you were handled, you were cuddled. I was even baptised, and one of the nurses... Um, stood in for me um, when I was baptised. But I just, I feel very hurt. I feel very let down. I've, I have an older sister who was adopted through um, Navan Road. Mm-hmm. She was put up for adoption in the Navan Road. Then I was put up for adoption in St. Patrick's Guild. And then my biological mother went on to have a third daughter a, about, a year and six, about a year and six weeks later, and she kept her. Okay. So I have that. Not, not so much as a result. And, and the reason she kept her was not because she preferred her. It was because at that time there was probably more state support or she was supported financially in some way, maybe. Well, I, I, I honestly don't know. I why. would imagine that was the, would be the case. Because yeah. I know my own mother, uh, who gave birth to me, you know, she went on then to have two more children after I was born. Um, and, you know, she kept those children because she was with another man at the time. And, you know, and obviously she felt she was financially in a more stable position. I just feel very upset. I, it's bothered me. It's, it's traumatised me for my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a wonderful upbringing. I couldn't have asked for anything better yeah. than yeah. the parents that, that came and chose me and picked me. I stood up in the cot and my mother looked at me and I had a snotty nose and she took tissue out from her sleeve and wiped my nose and I just giggled at her and she said, that's the one. Yeah. And she said, oh, you were chosen, you were picked, you were always but, is, but isn't it awful that when, when we think about it, myself, yourself and other people, you know, and Terry talked about, you know, the babies, you know, coming in, uh, you know, on a Sunday afternoon after mass, these couples would come into the parlour and they'd make the tea and biscuits while they picked out their babies, that we were almost picked like puppies in a, a pet shop, like which is the nicest, the cutest one, the nicest well, one. my mother told me there was a row of cots, boys were on the left, girls were on the right. And she wanted a daughter. Now she had home checks done and they came out and they ran their finger along the top of the units to make sure that the house was clean. Yeah. And then they had many meetings. But just growing up, as much as I loved my mum and dad, I always longed for to know who I looked like to, you know, did I get my attitude or my eyes from my mother or my father? Yeah. Um, I've gone on to subsequently find my older sister and we get on well. We look very much alike. Uh, seemingly we're very like our biological mother. Um, I found my younger sister through paperwork and then on Facebook, and I met up with her. Um, we don't have too much of a, of a good relationship. She she was in shock to find out that she had two older sisters that were put up for adoption. Um, when mm. she went home to speak to her mother and said, I know about Claire and I know about the older sister, ever since then, her relationship with her mother has been strained. And it's put an awful lot of strain it, on the And this is what it does. And, and a lot of people said that to me, you know, do I keep in touch with my birth mother? And I'm going to have to say I don't. And, you know, I've met her a few times and I've talked to her a few times and I think she finds it very difficult to talk to me about certain aspects of the whole thing. But uh, she's quite elderly now. I mean, she's in her 90s now. But, I but, would but love I, to but meet the, my birth mother. But I, I think, would love to. But the problem is, and you know, I went through 10 years, I didn't get any help from the state at all. I went through 10 years of going in and out to the registered births office, going physically to the, you know, the birth manuals, trying to find out. And eventually I got enough information to force them to give me the information because I told them if they didn't give it to me at that stage, I'm going to go to five of these women that I have here on my list and I'm going to ask each one of them, are you my mother? And I, this is a long time ago. This is about 25, 30 years ago. And... So they were kind of forcing to give me the information. And when I say force, forced to arrange something, so which they did. And But I, I do believe that 
even though I've met my sister as well, who now lives in England, she's a year younger than me, even though I met her, um, or I'm sorry, a year older than me, uh, they, you can't force a relationship that was never there. No, and that's that's the hard part. It's like trying to, oh, I don't know, it's like trying to put two foods together and eat them when you know that they don't taste the same. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's unnatural. But I don't know, I just, I'm, I'm 41 years of age now and I still cry for my mother. I still long for her to just stand up in a room and put her arms out and open her arms and say, you're my girl. My own mother passed away seven years ago and every night as a child we kneeled at the end of my bed and we said our prayers in English and we said mm-hmm. our prayers in Irish mm-hmm. and we always said a prayer for my biological mother. Oh, that's lovely. Her wish before she died was to meet my mother to thank her for allowing her to have a girl that she couldn't have of her own. And I just wish if there's mothers or fathers out there that they would please, please go looking. They don't understand what this does to a person. As I said, I had a beautiful upbringing. You know, I had a wonderful upbringing. I had a father. As did I, as did I. But, but, you know, I know exactly how you feel because even though I had a wonderful father and a wonderful mother that raised me and they gave me everything I wanted. I had a good education, thankfully, and they looked after me very well. My dad had a decent enough job so he could provide for us well and we had a nice home in Edenmore. And, but still, even though that was all there, I still wanted to know. There was this need... Uh, for a part my... of you that's missing in your heart. Mm, I know, I know. And even if I met her and, you know, it didn't work out, at least I can say, I was, you know, that chapter of my life, I've, I've, I've done it. But and it's the curiosity as well. You want to know, does she look like you? Oh, I, we, I definitely look like her. A hundred percent, I look like her. My younger yeah. sister sent me a few photographs of her. Okay. okay. So I know we have the same eyes, same hair, same um, build. And where is, she, where is she now, do you think? Um, she was living in Mead. She's living in Dublin now. Okay. You know, and I know there's, there's situations out there that she, there's people in her family that don't know about me and the older sister. And I don't think she's able to come forward and talk to them or talk to her husband about it. So it's very much still under the carpet. Mm-hmm. And probably will do until the day he dies. And I and I, I, I don't want to break up a family. I don't want to break up a marriage. I get that. No, I but get that. But at the same time, I just want her to know that, you know, like I don't feel any ill badness about her, towards her or, you know, I know it wasn't her fault and she was more than likely forced into this as many other mothers were, I just... Yeah, for I just so I think, I think the message we're sending out, Claire, today is, because this has obviously drawn attention to it, this report has drawn attention to it, is to, to all the mothers, fathers, and children out there who were born in you know, these institutions, is to maybe reach out to the HSE or to, to Nexus House or to Tusla, wherever is looking after it now. Tusla, I think you're looking after it now. And just be on record to say that you're looking. And even if it's only for one meeting, the difference that could make to somebody's life... They yeah. don't. They don't want to be. You know, they might not necessarily want to be part of your life. They don't want to be visiting you every day for a cup of tea, or they don't. You know, they just want to know. It's just this curiosity and this wanting to know why it happened to them and why you put them up for adoption, maybe or even just medical records as well. Now, I have I have medical things going on that the doctors constantly ask me in hospital. Oh, have you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I know that feeling. Yeah. And, that. and you know, you're in a cubicle beside somebody else, and you have to keep reiterating to every doctor that you meet that day. I'm sorry, I'm adopted. I have nothing. 
Yeah, the only the only thing I have in that relationship, I suppose, is that I know my mother lived a long life. So, and still, hopefully, does. And I think she's still alive, which is a terrible thing for me to have to say that I think she's still alive. But I, in saying that, I know she's a, she's had a long life. So, from that point of view, thankfully, I don't think there's that hereditary diseases. But I would love to know who my father was. I still have no idea who he is. Well, my father's in Perth, so he can stay there. <laughs> right, okay. Well, look, um, Claire, I, I hope you get what you want. Just thank you for raising this issue again on your show, Niall. And if there's anybody out there that's even contemplating whether to contact, make contact with their son or daughter, please do. Okay. All right, Claire, I wish you well. All right. Thank you, Niall. I really wish you well. Carmel, hi, how are you? Oh, Carmel, hi. Uh, Niall, how are you? I'm just, I'll tell you why I'm phoning. I have my birth cert and my parents were married on my birth cert. Okay. Um, my, my, the, the, my mum's name was Cecilia. Yeah. That's all I can say, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather and you didn't say my, a second name, unfortunately, yeah. Yes, and my, my father, he was, a, his occupation was an accountant and his name was James. Mm-hmm. Um, I was adopted by a lovely woman who was a, a doctor. And yep. any time I asked her where I came from, she said, I'll put you through the College of Surgeons and everything she said. Yep. It's best that you don't know. And where, and where, what year and where were you adopted? You were born in St. Rita's Nursing Home. St. Rita's yeah. Nursing Home in Sandyford. And what year was that? That was in the 16th of the 7th, 1959. Okay. There's a strong possibility, of course, Carmel, and I, d- I don't know if you know, but there's a strong possibility, that, of course, that your birth parents may have passed away since. I have under, I do, I have thought of that yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah, because a long time ago now, isn't it, of course, you know? Yeah. And, and, that, and by the way, I, I don't want to be giving you that bad news, and I hope they're not. I hope they're still around for you. And I'm sure like Claire, like me, like many other people who were born and adopted, uh, you would love to you know, just maybe have a little meeting and a little chat and, and talk to them and find out yes, things and yes. find out about yourself. About you. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's really hard. And I and I know but, that feeling. And people used to say to me when I was about 20 and I was searching and searching and searching and I was desperate. I was like, I was like Columbo. I was going through papers and finding yeah. names and people said like, why, why? Like you've got two wonderful parents. And I said, I know, but that's not the point. I just, I need yeah. to know. And my mother said that I was always special. Yeah. My my mum, and she said, you're made a ward of court. Yeah. So whatever that meant, I don't know. Well, a ward of court would be, I suppose, the state were responsible for you. In other words, the state were responsible to make sure for your well-being, if you're awarded a, a ward of court, if you're a ward would of court. Would it be because my parents were unable to look after me, do you think, now, or well, something well, like that? Well, that's... Normally, for example, and I, I don't know the circumstances of your parents at the time, right? But normally, okay. if, in those days, I suppose, if parents had no money, or sometimes, say, for example, if you had alcoholic parents, or yes. yeah, well, drugs wouldn't have been a big issue in Ireland at that time, you know what I mean? But nowadays, if you had parents who were drug addicts, for example, a child can be made a ward of the court. So, you know, in other words, the responsibility of the state. Yes. You know, it's, so it depends on the circumstances. But in, in those days, it was most likely financial. It was most likely that they didn't have the financial support. Because, but of course, they, we, we didn't was, have the social welfare system we have now I to look after mothers. A, I was born in a private nursing home. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I phoned uh, Dr. Keane. Henry Keane was the doctor yeah. that delivered me. And I phoned him. And I said, I believe that... 
Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And, and this is the problem. You do come up, and I know, Carmel, because I've been there. You come up against I brick walls. You come up against brick walls all the yeah. time, all the time. I'm still to this day, I'm now 57, nearly 58, and I'd love to know who my father was. I don't particularly care, if you know what I mean. That's, that sounds wrong the way I said it. Yeah. But I just want to know who he is. Yeah. You know? And then I, I, on my birth cert, my father, James, was an, uh, an accountant. Mm. And I rang the Chartered of Accountancy and I couldn't find any James whatever there. Well, he could have, see, again, he could have changed career since then or you wouldn't, well, yes, you, you wouldn't know. Enough. You wouldn't know. But okay, so, well, well, if, well, look, if they're listening, they'll know what, exactly who you are because Cecilia and James, so they'll know who you are. So if they're listening, we'd ask them to reach out maybe as well because obviously I you've had, reached out. I was married and I had a beautiful boy who had terrible palsy. But then he got a condition called Lesh 9 Syndrome. Okay. And I was the carrier and I didn't know because I was adopted. Yeah. And it involves self-mutilation. It involves lip lip biting. Yeah. So much so that his upper teeth had to be removed. Oh, my. And... The worst scenario is that they can poke their their eyes out, but that never happened to my son. He never did that, but he did have to it's get like, his. It's like it's like almost like self harming to the extreme, it isn't is. it? It you is. know that's awful. It's My God, that. Oh, you've, yeah. had a, you've had a tough time. God love you. Listen, Car- Carmel, I, I, I'm stuck for a little bit of time and I hate rushing people. I really do because it's almost insulting to rush people. But listen, thank you very much indeed for contacting us. And if people listening, obviously, that you're trying to look for uh, are listening, they'll know who they are. They're the only ones who will obviously know who they are and you, they'll be able to understand exactly what's going on. Maybe reach out because you've already reached out. Obviously, the agency's re- responsible. Uh, let me go to Dave. Dave as well. You're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Dave? How you doing, Niall? How are you? Good. Dave, you were also born in St. Patrick's. I was indeed, yeah. Yeah, a lot um, of people are born in St. Patrick's. It was the biggest institution for Mother Mary. Yeah, Mavis. 1969. Okay, so a little bit after me. Yeah, it was just a shit. Yeah, I was just keeping the bed warm for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, um, yeah, look, uh, fair play to you. You're, you're doing a great service there with your show today and giving an awful lot of people an avenue to, to speak about things, I suppose, that they haven't maybe had the chance to before now. Yeah. It's, it's great to hear it. Mm-hmm. And did you eventually find your birth parents, or I did? It was um, uh, interesting enough for, I suppose, about twenty years ago when I initially got in contact with the adoption agency at Saint Louis's, and um, they gave me the usual the non-identifying information and stuff like that. Um, yeah, they throw you a few clues. They did that with me. They'll, they'll give you maybe a first name or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So myself and my wife went and we done a bit of research of our own and we were able to get a little bit further and then we met just a brick wall, basically. They, they told us that um, they had had no contact with her. They'd searched uh, through all the different directories that were available to them and they couldn't find her anywhere and we were. I had my name on the on the national threats and lists yeah. for years and years and years. But um, just uh, about a year and a half ago, 
Um, I don't know if you've ever looked at long lost family. I presume you have. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but through the ancestry DNA, we've seen that on yeah. on the, the program and ninety euros. We done the test, sent it off, and within six months, I had made contact with her. Oh my, that's brilliant! That's a great yeah, story. Yeah, it was fantastic. So that's yeah. and have they got? They've got a website, haven't they? Answers. They have a website with a, a very user friendly app that enables you to, like, obviously that if if you send in your DNA sample, you're dependent on somebody who's already related to you being under being on the on the register. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, as it turned out, like, I was, I was terrified to send it in. I was sent to my wife, thought if I had no relations at all, like, you know. Yeah, so what, what could come back is a cousin or a second cousin or something it like was, that, yeah. It was actually, I got, uh, the closest match I got was a second cousin. And then, um, through, uh, there's a section on the app that allows you to message people. Right, okay. And, and, and through that, you kind of put two and two together and made five. And that was the We, way it we got um, yeah. in touch with a, a third cousin, and she was able to point us in the right well, direction. Look, and it turned out that my mother had been looking for me for about 20 years. Well, that's. It, mind you, isn't it amazing that she'd been looking for you, you'd been looking for her, but the, but the powers to be couldn't put two and two together and, and, and put the like two together? The worst part about that was that she was still in contact with the. With the um, she grew up in the industrial school, and she was still in contact with people who were involved with with Kozla and uh, oh, they're, they're the useless. Absolutely. I mean, I've had my own experience with them, and just my own personal experience with them. They're useless. Absolutely yeah. useless. Listen, I've run out of time, Dave. I'm glad you got to meet. No, her. I'm glad you got to see her. Thanks very much. All right. Brilliant. Thanks very thank much, you. indeed. Okay. Bye bye. bye. And just a quick tip for anybody who something that I did going back about three or four years ago for the first time. I was looking as people know adopted you. You can't get your birth cert. I applied for a birth cert online. Little trick for you. I applied for it online. Uh, they sent me out the baptismal cert uh, or the adoption cert. They won't send you out the full birth cert because they're not allowed, right? Because it'll say it on a note on your file in the register of births office. But if I rang up and there was some guy, he was obviously a beginner, and I said, hey, I have you and I got my birth cert, but it's not the right one. And he'll go, he'll ask you for your details if you have a first name for your mother. And you ring him and say, yeah, her first name is this. And he'll go, oh yeah, I have that here. I'll send it out to you. And he sent it out to me. He's not supposed to do that, but he just did by mistake. Chance your arm. Ring the registered births office and ask them for your long, what they call the long form birth certificate. And if you manage to get that, all the information's on it. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.